0: One of the main things for me is just gratitude, right? I tell people all the time, like, if I have breath in my body, I know I can change my situation. The only time I cannot change my situation is if I'm dead. I can't change my situation. So I'm thankful for that breath because that breath is going to allow me to fight. When I look at storms, you have to look at the category of the storm. And this is a category like 10 storm and shit is just hitting the fan. Like, you just... You know, got divorced and you're like, how am I gonna pay rent and I have kids or whatever? You have to understand, like, even though the worst storms, the worst thing you've been through in your life, eventually it's gonna pass.
1: This is your kick ass life podcast, episode number two seventy-four with guest Cornell Thomas. This is the Your Kick Ass Life Podcast with Andrea Owen, a no BS guide to self-help and badassery. Because ladies, let's face it life's too short for it to not kick ass. And here's your host, the girl who serves it up straight with a side of crazy, Andrea Owen. Hey there, ass Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I am so glad you're here. I just got back from Las Vegas where I was speaking at the Pure Romance World Conference, which was so much fun. And hey, if you are a part of a company that needs a speaker, I just might be your girl. I do know how to work a room, if you know what I mean, And, (laughs) oh God, it was so much fun. That, I mean, I know that there are some of you who are already listeners and some of you who are probably new listeners and y'all were the most enthusiastic, fun crowd. And as I said in my talk, this will probably go down in history as the, it was definitely the first time and probably the last time I ever opened a keynote by telling a a story about my very first vibrator. So, which it's going to be one of those, like what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas type of things. I'm not going to repeat it here on the podcast. But speaking of Vegas, so I hadn't been to Vegas, y'all. I don't think I've, I think I've been there once since I got sober, but we were driving through with our kids and we didn't like, quote unquote, like go to Vegas. It was more of just like staying at a hotel there. But I haven't been like for fun, Since I was still drinking, and it's really interesting (laughs) when you are a sober person. Okay, here's kind of a funny thing. I my flight when I was going home was at six in the morning, so I was up at four fifteen, and no, I was up at. um, like right before four and then left my hotel at four 15 or four 20. And as I'm walking through Caesar's palace, which by the way is like a city and I'm walking through Caesar's palace and there are people in the casino drinking. And I'm like, why are they up? Oh, they've been out all night. <laughs> Forgot about those days. And I walked by these two young women who were kind of standing right outside of this open bar type of place. And when I made eye contact with one of the girls and she was probably in her early 20s and her hair was just a mess, she had mascara underneath her eyes, she had her shoes in her hand and just looked disheveled. And I just wanted to give her a hug and just be like, girl, I have been there. I have been where you are. And I think she'd either been crying or was about to cry. And I have to say, like, I had some really, really great times in Vegas. I really did. It can be so much fun. And I'm so glad that those days are behind me. <laughs> that was exhausting. The staying up all night, the dancing, all, all of the things that are involved in that. But at any rate... I had a really amazing time speaking for all of the amazing women at Pure Romance. And one thing I wanted to announce is that I have some room, not a whole lot. I have a couple of spots open for one-on-one coaching right now if anyone would like to work with me privately. So if you go over to yourkickasslife.com coaching, there are a couple of different options to be able to do that. And I've also reintroduced something that I haven't done for a couple of years. I think two and a half years it's been. Since I've done a VIP day, I just haven't talked about them a lot and I would love to do them again. So it would be one full day with me. You can either come here to Greensboro, but I am happy to go to a location that is more convenient for you. And we would rock it out in one full day. So this is great for somebody who. Really wants to work on one or two things. By the way, if you are a coach, I know I have a lot of coaches that listen to this. I'm happy to do a VIP day for you to work on your coaching business, especially if you are newer in the industry. Maybe you just got your certification, you're interested in book writing, don't really understand the online marketing space all that much. We can rock that out for sure. And it's also for women who have a couple of goals in mind. Maybe you are really struggling with boundaries. Maybe you You are truly wanting to up level your life and you're not exactly sure what that looks like. Maybe you've read my book, How to Stop Feeling Like Shit, and you aren't exactly clear on how to implement all of the things that I talk about in there. So we'll figure that out on our consultation call before we even meet as to what exactly it is that we're going to work on. And the VIP day also includes a couple of follow up calls because. That's how I work best. It's not enough, I feel like, just to work with you for one entire day, and then I'm like, bye, see you, never. No, that's not how I roll. So we'll work, we'll knock it out in one full day, and then you have two follow-up calls with me for accountability, for check-ins to see what's going on. And there's also email and voice messaging in between that so I can help you out and guide you. So if you're interested in the VIP day, yourkickasslife.com slash VIP, and then the one-on-one coaching, that actually is more for somebody who wants to dig in a little bit more into their life. If you want to do really deep transformational work, that might be best over time. So that's at yourkickasslife.com slash coaching. I would love to hear what's going on in your life, see if we might be a great fit, and then we can just go from there. Okay, y'all, this guest this week is my new best friend. Let's just say that. Cornell Thomas is so funny. And give us a good 20 minutes into the episode, because I think that's right around the time. Like, the first 20 minutes, we're just getting warmed up. And then we really kick things into high gear. I absolutely adore this guy. I know that you will, too. Let me tell you a little bit about him before we get started. Cornell Thomas is a perfect example of turning a loss into a win. One week before accomplishing his dream of playing professional basketball, he suffered a career-ending injury. Growing up with adversity his whole life, he used the lessons of his mother, Tina Thomas, to stop asking, why me, and start saying, what now? After a stint coaching basketball, Cornell has found his true purpose, which is helping others. Today, Cornell is a global speaker, multiple title author, mindset coach, corporate trainer, and social entrepreneur. He is also a father to Bryce and Naya and a husband. So without further ado, here is Cornell. <laughs> Cornell, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here.
1: I already like you already. You and I have been chatting <laughs> for a good almost fifteen minutes now, just about parenthood and and growing up and you know, with and without siblings and all that fun stuff. And I'm I'm yeah. really pumped to have you on all of my guests really i'm not i'm not saying i have favorites but <laughs> you have as as all people do such an interesting story and i want to i want to start with that because you were playing professional basketball in europe i hope i have this right and you had a career ending injury that more or less derailed your dream and there was something on your website that I that I want to quote. So you said you say growing up with adversity my whole life allowed me to get past the why me and focus on what now. So can you share with us I mean wherever you want to start in that story and cuz here's I want to before before you answer that question. I think a lot of people when they have something like that happen to them Anybody who says, oh, but there's a gift in this, you know,
0: <laughs> they kind of want to punch him in the face. So yeah. was
1: that right away? Like, be honest with us. Like, how did this all unfold? It's
0: like, you kind of want to throat chop them immediately. Yeah, like, no, you yeah. can take
1: your gift and shove it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, sure. Well, for me, I would say it started uh, when I was three years old. And the reason it started that far back is because my father passed away when I was three. Okay. And, and uh, his name is Bobby Thomas. He was a police officer, city of Passaic, New Jersey, did all these amazing things. I didn't know my father. I only had two memories of my father myself. But when he passed away, he left my mom uh, the task of raising five of us on her own with no money. Wow. And that my mindset comes from that woman. Like my mom is such a solution based person where despite all the odds that were against us and we're talking like, you know, early 80s you know, single mother, you know, coming from this inner city, uh, it it was, I mean, I've seen bills up stacked from the table to the ceiling. And my mom just never said, okay, this is impossible, I can't do it. So uh, my mindset is, is, is because of Tina Thomas and I didn't discover basketball until I was 16 years old. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the first time I ever picked up a basketball and people are really shocked at that. Like what, why didn't you play basketball? It's because I didn't have anything I was passionate about. Like I didn't, I was just cool being a kid. Like yeah. there was nothing. Like I didn't want to be a superhero. I didn't want to be anything. I didn't know my father, so I didn't want to be a police officer. So I was just cool being a, you know, a kid. And my mom is from this town called Bird's Nest, Virginia. Like I legit can't make that up. It's uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's like five feet long. And my mom is uh from that town. And I was we. She used to bring us to Bird's Nest for a week. Me and my brothers and my sister. And we would be so bored. We were just trying to find things to get into. And I was sitting on my cousin's bed one day, and I looked under his bed, and he had all these newspaper articles. And I opened a newspaper article, and he was on the front cover dunking a basketball. Mm-hmm. And, Andrea, that literally was the first time in my life that something hit me so hard that I instantly fell in love. Like, I never—I didn't know how to play. I, you know, I, was, I was like, I, I knew what basketball was, but I never played it before. And I was just like— okay, this is what I want to do. Like, I want to be a famous basketball player. Because at that time, you know, I'm 16 years old. You know, I'm still trying to grow into my body. I'm going to have the coordination of a baby deer. Um, and, like, I have MC Hammer pants. You know, that's yes, what I'm rocking.
1: Which are always you know, easy to play basketball in.
0: Very, very <laughs> easy. And, and also very easy not to get a date if you wear them. And uh, 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 that was Well, my it depends suggestion. on what
1: decade it is. <laughs>
0: That, did, that, I had like a, you know, the eraser top haircuts, like the yes. old kid and play. Kid like play. I, had, mm-hmm. I had I had one of those, but my brother used to cut it. So it was like lopsided. Oh. Um, I had the hammer pants, my mustache didn't connect. I was struggling. I was like in a lot of friend zones. Like I wasn't getting yeah. dates at that time. Oh. Uh, so I was like, basketball is going to be my ticket to fame, to a date. Like mm-hmm. this is going to be cool. And so when I got home, my mom moved us from Passaic, New Jersey, which was inner city, to a place called Rockway, New Jersey, uh, which was a suburb. And uh, I walked three miles. I found this basketball in our basement. I walked three miles, went to the court, looked at the hoop, and I was like, okay, here it is. And I threw the ball over the basket, mm-hmm. and it rolled down the hill. And I realized that, like, I suck at this. And I did that for a couple more hours. And this guy came walking up to the court and said, hey, my name's Ray. Do you want me to show you how to shoot a basketball? And that changed the course of my life. Like, wow. It's, it's, that could have
1: been anybody, and that could have been not a great person inviting you to do something very different.
0: Yeah. It's like, hey, you want to come in this van with no windows? No, (laughs) no, thank you for the offer, but you're creepy. No, he came up and he just said, hey, I'll, and he's like a five foot eight Filipino dude. I'm a six foot four and a half black dude. Like, Uh if you do the eye test, you're looking like, wait a second, hold on. He's going to show this guy how to shoot, play basketball. And I only had three interactions with him, but after the two hours, I knew that if I put the work in, I can get better. And so, uh, my junior year of high school, I tried out for the basketball team. I got cut from varsity. I played, you know, J- well, didn't even really play JV. I was on the team. In my senior year, I barely played, and I started to doubt myself. And I tell people all the time when I go out and I speak, I say, you know, you can't let doubt stop your do. You know, you can't mm-hmm. let doubt stop your action because if you have a big dream. You're going to doubt it. That's human nature. When people say, oh, no fear, blah, 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 that's crap. Yeah. Like that's not human. That's being a robot, right? So I, I told my mom, I sat her down and said, mom, I'm going to play professional basketball. And she said, baby boy, that's great. And I said, okay, well, I'm going to go for it. So at the end of my senior year in high school, I barely played, so nobody was recruiting me. And uh, I sat down with my mom, and for the first time in my life, I heard my mom say, can't. She said, I can't afford to send you to college.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that hit me hard
1: Mm -hmm.
0: because she doesn't say can't, you know, like what? Like if she's saying can't, then I know that the situation is pretty dire. So I said, all right, well, I'm gonna work two jobs. I'm gonna go to a junior college, a two year college. I'm gonna play there. I'm gonna get a scholarship and play at a four year school. And she said, okay. So I worked two jobs, Uh, my freshman year of college, junior college, like I started a game for the first time. And then my sophomore year, I was like first team all conference, first team all region. Like if after five years like of working hard at six hours a day, seven hours a day, it hit, like all of it took off. And people just see where you land, right? They don't see all the work they put in. So they were just like, What what happened? Like who are yeah. you? You're I remember you playing basketball, you couldn't even walk in a straight line. And I was like, Well, when you guys were out partying and getting your stomach pumped, like I was <laughs> I was shooting baskets. Like mm-hmm. you know, I, I didn't go to my junior and senior prom. I watched the limousines drive past the basketball court as I was shooting around. Yeah. You know, so I think an important life lesson that I learned from that was, you know, you have to be willing to sacrifice what you like in order to get what you love. And I like the, I, I like going out with my friends. I like hanging out. I like, you know, hanging out with girls, but I love the idea of my mom never working again if I, if I make, if I play professional basketball. So I just worked extra hard. I went Played in uh, played in North, uh, school in North Dakota. Met my wife there. She's from Seattle. Uh, came back, you know, after my you know my two years was up there. I'm playing with NBA guys, working on with NBA guys, guys that are going to Europe. I get a contract to play in the top division in Lisbon, Portugal. I have 168 hours before I'm supposed to leave, and I'm on a court uh, shooting around with some of my friends. I go to the basket and uh, I hear a pop, and I fall on the ground. My buddies come up to me and first thing I asked was who stepped on my heel? And they said, Cornell, no one stepped on your know. heel. And I drive myself to the hospital, which isn't smart if it's your right foot. And I drag uh my foot up to the emergency room. And my mom comes down there and uh this guy by the name of Dr. Bradish goes, Cornell, we're at the back of your calf muscle. If you feel excruciating pain, we have to do surgery on Thursday. That means you you ruptured your Achilles tendon. Yikes. And so he grabs the back of my calf. I feel the excruciating pain. And to this day, that Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, I have no recollection of, uh, that Thursday morning, I was wheeled in for surgery. That Thursday afternoon, I was wheeled out with a hard cast from the middle of my thigh to the end of my foot. By Thursday night, my contract was voided. And by Friday morning, I was sitting in my sitting on my bed, and my mom kissed me on my forehead, and I watched her walk out on the way to one of our three jobs. I told her she'd never have to work again.
1: Wow. That's, that was a crap day.
0: That was the hard, it was the hardest day of my life. I yeah. mean... It was the hardest, and we've been through a lot, and it was the hardest day of my life. And that's where the why me mode set in. Of course.
1: Because you're human.
0: I'm human. I'm like pissed. I'm like, I failed this woman. You know, why did this happen to me? I don't drink. I don't smoke. I treat people right. I'm kind to people, et cetera. And I'm cursed in the heavens and I'm pissed off. And uh, later on in life, when I start studying, you know, the the stages of change, and they talk about, you know, like denial and anger and bargaining, depression, Mm -hmm. and then acceptance. Like, I was just so angry and I and I was like complete why me mode. And then I just said to myself, I said, man, but what did your mom go through? Right? Like what did your mom go through? Like when we were growing up and she was raising the five of us and one of my brothers is autistic and she just didn't complain. Like she just figured it out. Mm-hmm. So your problem is you're in a boot, right? You, you have this hard cast on the solution is, eventually it's going to get better. But are you going to sit here and just kind of, you know, just cry about this? Or are you going to actually pick yourself up and do something? So I called my best friend out, my buddy, Kevin. I said, hey, pick me up, man. We're going to the gym on Monday. And he sounded like I died because everybody that's close to me, they knew how hard yeah. I
1: was.
0: You know, and uh, that next six months, I shot from a chair uh, with a hard cast. And it did nothing for me in terms of physical, but it did everything for me mentally. Mm-hmm. It got mm-hmm. me up house, it got my mind off it. I was back in that environment that I was missing so much. And uh, I, wor- I was able to work my way back. But by then, you know, the universe, God, you know, whatever you believe in, you know, was giving me signs that, hey, man, basketball is not for you. Like there's another path.
1: Oh, wow. But just like life lesson handed to you over and over again.
0: Mm-hmm. Hard. And, it, and that's the thing. It's like, I think when you're open, I use the analogy. I say when you're open to the fact that they're there are other possibilities out there. There's different energies out there. And there's, you're kind of guided. It's almost like when you buy a car for the first time, like you never see that damn car anywhere before right. you, get it. as soon as you start thinking about it, you see that car everywhere. Yeah. Like your grandma has the car. You had, had no idea, right? Like everybody has a car. It's the same thing when you believe that there's something else out there that, you know, is guiding us, that is mm-hmm. making things happen. And it's like, it's, you start to see signs and I was so tunnel vision focused on this being this basketball player. That was my whole identity was basketball. Uh, I couldn't see that. Hey, maybe there's other possibilities out there for me.
1: That's interesting. Yes. And how, how much our mind plays into all of this and, and, I love hearing stories like that because it just, it never gets old to hear evidence of how that works. And I had an experience where I had an, I went through just an egregious divorce and I remember there was a period of time, looking back, I can't remember how long it was. It might not have been that long, maybe a month or so, if that, and I Was in such victim mode. Like I want – it was like I was jockeying with other people like like, try me. Somebody tell me – come and tell me how much harder you have it than me. And I'm sure there was like literally millions of people that had it harder than me. But it was a pretty dramatic and painful story and I wanted the sympathy. You know, like I wanted – to people to be on my side and i Mm -hmm. say that because i do think that they're like that's why i said like you're human of course you're going to be sitting in that hospital and just being devastated and just shaking your fist at this guy like what the fuck you know it's like you lost your you grew up without your dad like just all of these things and then really truly like when you're ready (laughs) wink wink pull yourself out. And for me, I had to also get out of the house because I was just like hanging out at home with a bottle of wine and my cat. And it was just <laughs> like, this isn't helpful at all. So it was about yeah. ex- for me, it was exercising and, and just filling my social calendar. And even if it was just having dinner with one friend and things like that, just to like pull myself out of, of being that victim mode. But again, all that to say, like, you do have to, I think, go through that process yeah. of feeling like your life is unfair.
0: Yeah. And it's okay to go through the process. Mm -hmm. Like, it's okay to be there. And you just said it, you know, just don't stay there. Like I tell people all the time, like positivity isn't the absence of human emotion. It's not living in negative emotion. Like you can't live in that shit. Like, okay, it happened. But when adversity happens to us, as soon as it happens, it's already in the past, like a second past the adverse situation. It's already in the past. That's not saying that it's not going to hurt. It's not saying that you can't deal with it emotionally, but it's at some point you got to say to yourself, okay, like yeah. now what? Like at some point you said to yourself, this sucks. Uh-huh. Am I going to sit on this couch and eat bonbons and watch soap operas and be like miserable with, you know, Mr. Skittles, your cat or whatever his name is? His name (laughs) name is Beanie, yeah. (laughs) Or or, or are you, it would be just funny if you had a cat named Mr. Skittles and be like, wait a second, that is my cat's name. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And then, or, you know, or am I going to get up and I'm going to start moving? I think tell people nothing happens when you're stagnant, right? Like you have to kind of, when it's it's something like this, like you have to get up and you got to move. And, and, uh, when I started to move, I found and I got an opportunity to coach basketball. And through coaching basketball I realized that, you know, I was put on deserve not to play it, I was put on the surf to help people. Mm-hmm. and because I saw these kids that were coming from inner city areas and their parents were basically dropping them off and saying, Okay, make my son into a man. Bye. And mm-hmm. you know, just taking off. And I'm twenty six and some of these kids are like twenty three. You know, <sighs> I'm just like, I'm not I don't know how to be a man yet. And I have to teach these guys how to do it. But in that, in that coaching, you know, mm-hmm. The tools to become a speaker, the tools to become a coach, the tools to go into a corporation and talk about team, all those things were were attributes that I learned being a coach. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until uh, our son was, our son Bryce was about to be born, where I realized, bro, basketball isn't it, man. Like you think it's basketball, but basketball is just a medium. You're not meant to coach or play basketball. You're meant to do this on a bigger scale. And when people ask me, like, well, how'd you get into speaking? Did you go to, you know, Peter Smith's speaker training program? I said, I'm like, no. I said, I was on Facebook and I was reading it and it was super negative. And I got this book of positive quotes and my friend that a friend gave to me. And I just started taking quotes out and putting it on Facebook.
1: Uh-huh.
0: And even the drama bomb started to like them. So I'm like, okay, if this person who's always negative likes these quotes, I, there's something that I. There, there's something here. I can keep doing this. So I just started doing that every day. And then one day I lost the book and I wrote my own quote uh-huh. and people still like it. So I'm like, well, screw the book. I'm going to just write my own quote. I'm good at this shit. And so a couple of months go by and a buddy of mine goes, bro, you know, where do you get your quotes from? I said, I make them up. He goes, you should write a blog. I said, that's a great idea. What the hell is a blog?
1: <laughs> Sounds good.
0: And and he told me, he set up the blog for me. I started writing my blog and after I wrote my blog for a couple months. I said, okay, well, I want to write a book. I'm just going to ask Google and figure it out. And so that's what I did. And then after I wrote my first book, I said, okay, I want to go share my story. Well, how are you going to do that? I'm just going to say yes to everything. And I'm going to do it for high fives and hugs for the mm-hmm. first, like, however long it takes until someone says, okay, here's a dollar to speak and do this professionally. And that's what I did. And I just started speaking all over, I, you know, small, like dance studios with like 10 people eating yeah. lunch, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. I just built from there. But it's, it wasn't someone guiding me or someone saying oh speak this way or do this it was just me being sick of seeing all the negativity that, and all the divisiveness yeah. that was on my timeline
1: see everybody that's how it's done i mean i love how you that chronology that you whipped through so fast is you know i hear people all the time you know as someone who's written two books myself i get i get so many messages of people I want to write this book and I don't know where to start. And I'm like, first of all, I charge $500 an hour if you want to do a consulting yeah. call. <laughs> yeah. Second of all, I just – I mean it's so – you guys, Google it. It's really – it's it just yeah. write the damn book. Just one word in front of just another. People just ask me that it. all the time. How did you write a book? with, you know, being the primary caregiver of two toddlers and, you know, trying to also build your business at the same time. And I said, word by word, as everyone yeah. else does, like, was it agony at times? Sometimes it was, but it, 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 just, if you have something to say, if you have a story inside of you, get it out on paper. And then it's like, what, I'm, I'm not a, a writer. And I'm like, if you can, if you have the ability, if you went to school or someone taught you how to write, you are a writer. Just, I hear so many excuses and I, I'm, getting all impassioned about it because it just breaks my heart that people have a story to tell and they know that they want to tell it and they let all these excuses hold them back just just write the damn book people
0: yeah I love it. Like you're getting me fired up. I'm about to headbutt a bear.
1: Yeah, Cornell, I, write another book.
0: <laughs> I love. Yeah, I'm on. I'm on it. I'm on four and five already. I'm Good. on it. Right. So it's like, but you're a hundred percent right because people spend their lives, Andrea, trying to find time. you ain't going to find time. You have to no, make time. You do. you
1: have you're to gonna your make priority. it.
0: Like I wrote my first book between the hours of three a.m. and five a.m. Why? Because yeah. that's when my son was sleeping.
1: I've been there. that's what I'm talking about what I'm saying like there were times when it was brutal and you you got up earlier than me the earliest I did was 4am
0: yeah still early still still early
1: because it was the only time I had
0: you have different things that you have to do. Like I'm not breastfeeding my kid, right? Like I'm sitting there like at, cheering my wife on like, hey, go, you me. got yeah. it. You know, it's like <laughs> – I nursed level.
1: my second one for two and a half years, so I will take that.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm giving you props. I'm giving you props. Like the, the I tell the, my like new – my friends that are, you know, new dads, I'm like, look, man, your goal – Is just to be the support system because you're not waking up and feeding the baby. And like when you get to the point where you can and you can bottle feed the baby, okay, cool, then you can help. Mm -hmm. You know, so like I would just get up and write for a couple hours and then I'll just take Bryce and let my wife sleep for a couple hours and then that would be that. But you said it like, are you ever on a plane? That's a great time to write. Are you ever taking
1: a shit? Like that's a great time to write. (laughs) Like get your phone out. You're on your phone scrolling through Instagram anyway, pull up the notes app. Like I just, right. I, I just in it, and I understand. Like, trust me, there are days when I have like back to back calls. I barely have enough time. I'm like, did I brush my teeth today? Like, there are days where I do have that thought, and it truly is about making it a priority. And and I didn't work out for two years. Like, did I not have time? Oh no, I had, I had plenty of time. I just didn't make it a priority, and now that's changed. And it just, and also they've made it so easy. Like anyone can write a book now. You guys, self publishing. If you haven't heard sure. you can it's, publish your own book
0: yeah you said something that was beautiful you said one word at a time yeah right and it's like one word in front of the other word like it's just like one step at a time like one word at, like one word in front of the other word bro like right like you've written a sentence you've constructed a book report you've done that before if you went to school you can write a book and you my can. books are all short like none of my books are long because personally i talk about positive mindset and stuff like that like i don't want to read a 300 page book about that
1: You know, my book's like 75 pages. True. And that's the other beauty of of self-publishing. Yeah. Because when, you know, I went the traditional publishing route and you sign a contract. So my first one, they asked me to write 45,000 words. And I was like, whoo, okay, I guess. And I didn't. I didn't think I could do it and I did it. And then the second one, I thought it was going to be around the same and they wanted Mm -hmm. 60,000 words. I was like, there's no way I could do this all dramatic. And guess what? Just like you You said, word by word, sentence by sentence, and slowly but surely it gets put together.
0: Yeah, if you have content, you can write a book. And like you, I can tell talking to you, you don't run out of content. I have a lot. Right, of like it's it's just there. Right. <laughs> that's
1: my exercise out so, of my mouth.
0: Yeah, well, that's good exercise because that means you're gonna have about twenty books when it's all said and done. Probably. Thirty books. I
1: will. You know,
0: so it's like. It's, yeah, you don't want your story to die inside of you. No, you, know? you
1: don't. Well, and it's, that's a great segue to circle back, actually, to something that you said when you were telling your story. You said sometimes you have to say no to what you like to do what you love. And I think that this mm-hmm. is a great example of that because – a lot of times in personal development, people talk about, and it's super important, Don't quit doing things you hate, you know, like, Mm -hmm. you know, delegate if you can, or just stop saying yes to things that you don't really want to do. But sometimes in addition to that, you do have to put things off that you actually like, you know, maybe it's a a book club that you really like. um, But it just it's eating up your time. And so say more about that. Like, how has that shown up in your life? And how do you how do you talk to people about that?
0: Well, first thing I tell people, I'm like, it's very easy to give that type of advice when you have your own jet, mm-hmm. right? Like, it's so easy to be like, hey, man, like just delegate or hey, but like, hire a what nanny. If, mm-hmm.
1: yeah, hire a nanny.
0: You're good. Like, no, bro. Like, what if I'm my only team? What if it's just me? Like, what if there is no delegation right now? So I tell people all the time, like, when it comes to me and what I'm doing, I have priority lists in my head and written down, like, what's important today? Like, what do I have to get done? Like, this interview was a major thing on my list. because I couldn't wait to talk to you. Was a major thing on my list that, like, had to get done. I was like, okay, I'm excited. At 11 o'clock, me and A-Money, we're sitting down, we're talking, we're having a great conversation. I think more people
1: should call me that, by the way. Continue.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's on and popping. You know, (laughs) so I would say just make a priority list and figure out, like, what you have to get done. I think we get so caught up in the extraneous the stuff that does not matter, that's mm-hmm. what stops you from writing that book. It stops you from becoming that speaker, become, from doing that podcast, to even things like, you know, getting the laundry done or brushing your teeth or whatever, right? Like, you have to figure out, like, what is the most important and what isn't. And when you do that, life becomes easier.
1: Yes. it. And sometimes it's just about not necessarily saying no to things for forever, just putting mm-hmm. them off.
0: Mhm. And like figuring like for me when I first started out, I couldn't say no because I'm working on the craft, right? Like I have to get in front of people. I have to speak. I have to work on. But now someone says, "Hey man, like I'd love to for you to like pay your own way to speak here." I'm like, "Um, hey man, nope. That ain't going to happen. I'm um, good." But <laughs> I have a friend <laughs> yeah. who just got into speaking that you know might want to fly out and and do that for you. So it's just like you said, it's like your time is valuable. You know your time is extremely valuable. You have to make sure that at some point in time, when you start doing this for real, like I, I think when you're when you're speaking and you're not getting paid or whatever, you're still speaking for sure. But when you start getting money to to do what you're doing, okay, now you're a professional, right? This is this, you're doing this for a career, so you have to be very cautious of of your time.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, even if someone's listening who isn't who doesn't have the goal of of writing a book or or being a speaker or anything like that it's like insert whatever it is the thing because i i read all your applications for my programs i listen to you know the comments on social media and the things that you want to do there's there's Mm. stuff there's stuff that you all want to do and i actually want to ask you about what some tools are as far as resilience that you talk about. So if someone's listening to this and they're really struggling with adversity, whether they are a single parent or they have a child with special needs or they're even if they're just going through a really difficult time, the loss of a loved one or a breakup or divorce or something like that. So they're struggling with some kind of hard time and or adversity. What are some ways that you teach people that how they can practice resilience and, and handle what they're facing?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. And I would say... One of the, and this is hard to see when you're in the storm, but I I remind myself all the time. One of the main things for me is just gratitude, right? Is I tell people all the time, like, if I have breath in my body, I know I can change my situation. The only time I cannot change my situation is if I'm dead. Mm -hmm. I can't change my situation. So I'm thankful for that breath because that breath is going to allow me to fight. When I look at storms, you have to look at the category of the storm. And this is a category like 10 storm and shit is just hitting the family. Like yeah. you just, you know, got divorced and you're like, how am I going to pay rent? And I have kids or whatever. Blah, blah. You have to understand, like, even though the worst storms, the worst thing you've been through in your life, eventually it's going to pass. You have to start becoming solution based and saying, okay, what can I, what do I have to take care of first? My mom would look at a stack of bills and say, okay, we might not have cable for the next four months. Cable's not important.
1: Yeah, uh-huh. what's
0: important is we have to have electricity.
1: Yeah.
0: Right. So you got to look at these storms and put them in categories and say, okay, you might be going through multiple at a time. Okay. What storm do I have to take care of first? Right. And that's usually like food, shelter, you know, if it's kids your kids are first and then, okay, what do I do next? So I look at, I'm like, man, gratitude. And then I put them in a category like, okay, what is the immediate that I have to focus on? And then I tell myself, see, like whatever it is, you've been here. And I don't, you might not be going through this particular thing, but you've been through adversity. We have all been through adverse situations. And once you've gone through one thing, you can say, okay, look, my shield is getting stronger every time I go through another thing. So, like, you've been through it. Like, we forget how resilient and how tough we are. Like, we forget because the storm comes and it knocks us on our ass. And so we're just like, I don't think I'm going to be able to do this. No, man, like, you can do it. Like we're born fighters. Like you can do it. You just have to remember it.
1: Yes, that's what I tell my kids. Like, you, and even in my talks when I'm speaking, is like the good news is the bad news is, is life is hard sometimes. The good news is is that we were born for resilience. We were born. <laughs> our brains are malleable. Like for the we're meant for change. And so I love that. I love that gratitude. Yeah, I know gratitude's always the answer. Dang it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it sucks though. It sucks because you're looking at it, you're like. Yeah, because when I talk to people about, um, you know, even just being, you know, having a positive mindset, and they go, 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 and I'm like, but did you die? You know, like, (laughs) like, but you're alive, though. You know, you're alive. And if if you want to have inside your mind, if you want to tell yourself there's a storm every single day that you can't get past, you're going to be 100% right. That's not saying to make pretend that there's nothing wrong in the world. That's absolute BS. That's crap. Right. But Mm -hmm. you. Can go through life and say, despite these storms, I'm doing my best to have a different outlook on this world.
1: Yeah, yes. Not,
0: in the house. If not, you're going to stay in the house. You never leave your house.
1: True. Yeah. Okay. I have one more question to ask you before before we close up, and this is a topic I don't think that we've covered on my 280 something episodes over here, and that's fatigue mindset. So, mm-hmm. t- tell us what that is, and how do you teach people to overcome that?
0: Yeah. It's very similar to when you're dealing with adversity. So you work out a lot. Uh at some point when well, you I took that say two I work years out off. A lot. From...
1: I work out like moderately.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was Piece trying to give amount. you props, A, eh, money? Thanks. But... Well,
1: I gotta be honest. Gotta yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but when you when you first when you got back into working out yeah. after two years of not working out, mm-hmm. right? It's like, holy shit, okay, this is I'm gonna die today.
1: Yeah, that's basically that's how it felt.
0: I mm-hmm. Like I'm like I'm gonna die today. And I do, there's certain activities that I do in terms of exercise with like, if it's Brazilian jiu-jitsu or, um, if it's a hard, like strength and conditioning workout where before I get out of the car, a part of me is like, Hey man, you're, you're probably going to die today.
1: <laughs> you mean like, because the workout's going to be so hard or yeah, you're like, going to like fight so somebody hard. who's going to I'm
0: like, yeah, I'm like, I'm going to die today. And <laughs> okay. like, and I'm telling myself, okay, you have two voices. You have that voice. That is like an absolute wuss that is always telling you, Oh my gosh, don't walk down the stairs. You might trip. You know, like that voice is always talking shit. Uh-huh. Right. And then you have the real voice, the voice that you have to work on and train. That can, if you work on it enough, it's going to be louder than that voice. The other voice is going to end up becoming a whisper. So when you're fatigued, like so with Brazilian Jiu Jitsu is, is wrestling with submission. So, like, it's wrestling, but you can break someone's arm or choke them out or whatever. And you'll be doing it and you're doing it against an opponent that his purpose is to choke you out and they're good at what they do and you have nothing left in the tank. And there's two things you can do. You can submit to it immediately and say, okay, well I'm done and not learn anything from it. Or you can find that fifth gear. If you don't know there's a fifth gear there, you're going to submit immediately. But if you know that there you have another level, right? I call it the finish line. Mm -hmm. So if you are running and we are dead tired. And I'm like, hey, money, like I'm about to throw up all over myself. And you say, Cornell, look, there is the finish line. There is something innately inside of us that is going to make us continue to run. Most of us. We're just going to run and hit that finish line if you if you can see it. So you have to find out what where's your finish line? What is your finish line? If you're on chapter one of your book, you know where your finish line is. Your finish line might be the next paragraph. Mm-hmm. right? I get the next paragraph. I have to, just have to get to the next chapter. So it's just. Putting that finish line in front of your face and then just running through that bitch.
1: Yeah, get it. I Love Go it. Get it. Get it. <laughs> those are my favorite hashtag. Get it, girl. Um, I I love this conversation. You have reminded me of. It's funny. So we bought a Peloton bike. We 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 caved. Oh. Have you heard of them before?
0: Oh my, God. my buddy had. My a good friend of mine lives by it.
1: I went back and forth for a few years on it because of just the cost just seemed like ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And my husband – Told me that if we got one, he's like, I, I would write it, and I'm like, Okay, done. Then we're buying it, yeah. and um, I love it, and I'm I'm still getting to know all of the instructors. There's 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 like the most popular ones, and I was like, Oh, I'm gonna check out this lady, and her name's Jen Sherman, and she's she's my age, and because there's some of the instructors, I'm like, Okay, I'm officially old enough to be your mama, which is a <laughs> weird age to be at. I think you might be around my age. I'm 43, yep. so it's like, Yeah, eh. same. same. Okay, so yep. this woman, Jen Sherman, I love her so much because she's a lot like me when I used to be a personal trainer, and this is how I describe it like a little bit drill sergeant and a whole lot of enthusiasm like <laughs> so yeah I love She's it. at one point during the workout she's she was telling us to like towel off or or get a drink of water and she's like get your shit together like that, <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's how i feel I like you it. are too and that's how i, I am it. like come on yeah. people like it's yes life is hard and you can do it you can fucking you can do, do it. it just
0: get your yeah. shit together and don't like and don't judge these people like because they might not be able to get it together as quick as you can and that's what i love about you and hearing you speak is like yeah you can be that drill sergeant but you're a drill sergeant with a heart yeah. like you you can you have empathy when yeah. and with empathy people will follow you to the de- to, as to wherever you take them right if you're just all drill sergeant or all like it's okay right you got to find the happy medium in they're yeah. like I'll bust that ass if I'm coaching you I'm busting that ass mm-hmm. but you you're, you're going to know that I love you and
1: I'm still going to see and hear you and in yeah. your struggle but you, but we're not going to stay there if we need no. to if we need to veer back you know that's we can do that too but I'm going to remind you you know we're we're going to keep going and i think at the end of the day like that's all anybody wants that's all mm-hmm. anybody wants is to be seen and heard and if you bulldoze mm-hmm. over that they're they're way less likely to change and look at the positive or be grateful or all these things that we've talked about it's like it is that's something i've learned so much just in my own experience and and helping people is like oh my god people just want to be seen in their humanity
0: yeah facts i love it i yeah. love that for sure man <laughs> this is great like you're getting me fired up oh I'm good afraid.
1: I'm, I'm just so just glad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad I can fire up the audience and and the guest.
0: Yeah. But I'm
1: I'm grateful for that and thank you for telling me and and thank you for being here and everybody thank go you. to cornell-thomas dot com and read everything Cornell's ever written. And <laughs> where else do you want to send people? Is that the best place to get your books and stuff?
0: Yeah, and they're, you know they're on Amazon as well. But Instagram Cornell Thomas thirty four, LinkedIn Cornell Thomas, Twitter thirty, uh, Cornell Thomas, Same same thing. I'm not like. Uh, tall guy, 32 dot whatever. So it's just all uh, <laughs> under Cornell Thomas. And if you reach out to me, I'll reach out right back. That's just who I am.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. I've, I've so loved this conversation. And of course, listeners, thank you so much for being here. I know how valuable your time is and I'm so grateful and honored that you spend it with me and my guests. And please stay tuned next week. We're gonna have a great episode for you. And until next time, Ask Kickers, I will see you all out in cyberspace. Bye-bye. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode. I hope you loved it. And hey, can you do me a favor? If you haven't already, can you rate and review the podcast wherever you listen? Or if you find the podcast for the first time on the web or even in an email, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or absolutely wherever you listen. This helps us out tremendously. Thanks so much.